Krista Raymer. I don't think we've talked to you this new year on BFC Live. Welcome. Thank you. We haven't yet. 2021, off to a good start. Off, it's off to a start. Let's just say that. Can we keep it at that? Um, good start. We've got a lot of stores opening in the next year, so. And that's good topic. So uh, a couple of things I want to talk to you about today. One, about all the stores opening and what stores can do to stand out in that realm, in their neighborhood, in that realm, all those things. That's the first thing. The second is I want to talk and make sure people know that we have an event coming up, uh, the first of a series called Business of Cannabis Retail Series. We'll be meeting monthly about, well, mm -hmm. cannabis retail. So let's pause on that. Okay. 960 potential new stores in Ontario alone in 2021. Yeah. We just posted a piece that you and the team at Vitrina Group wrote about creating a destination store. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that means in a professional's mind, and then I can tell you what it means to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, when we think about a destination store, we think about a store that has the customer travel to the store with a purpose. And so that purpose is usually to interact with the brand. So I think that there's a lot in the industry that we talk about around convenience and that stores need to be in the most convenient location. Convenience is completely defined by your customer and your customer base. So for some customers, being in a location with parking might be really important. For others, it's not. And so we can expand our definition of convenience and start to drill into who our best customers are. And you start to generate a store, create a store around that customer. So that when they go there, all of their values are reflected back at them in terms of physical space, as well as the social interaction with attenders and managers or whoever else is at the store. And so I think maybe it would be helpful. What kind of retail environment outside of cannabis do you think of when you think of as a destination store for yourself? Well, that's a good question. I was just thinking about that. And the one that comes to mind, if I... It's not retail per se, but there is definitely a destination. A lot of people do make this a destination. And that is my barber at um, B-Side Barber. It actually happens to be near my house, uh, but people come, I think from far and wide because of the experience. Of course, it's a good haircut and beard trim, but the experience itself is very unique. I've sent people there from all over the city. You get, there are thousands of records. You choose your record. The record goes in the record player. It is a proper sort of barber shop plus hipster environment, plus music. Like it, it is a destination place. And so all of your values get reflected back in that space. So yeah. you just self-identified as a hipster. So there you go, Jay. But the, the music and creating an atmosphere, all of the things that are important. The alternative for you would be that you could probably find a barber around the corner from your house that does like a $7 cut and you're in and you're out. There's, there's nothing to that experience in the way that you define what you want as an experience. So you're willing to pay a premium for a different kind of environment because you feel like what's happening in that environment really reflects what's important to you. Yes. I even think, can I, can I even give a different example? Sure, yeah. Because this may be a, actually a more apt example. Um, no frills, there are hundreds of no frills in the GTA, mm -hmm. are no frills. <laughs> at Lansdowne in college, uh, feels, it lands down in, in uh, Dundas in college, um, feels different than the Lansdowne of the Duffer Mall, which is actually closing, right? So like 
this is like really West End politics, but like there is a difference because they're, they're all slightly different, different ownership. The one that we go to is a little bit further away, is our destination, is where we've been going certainly for the past year because it feels, it feels right. Both from a safety perspective, but also like it feels like a different kind of place than all the other no frills. Right. So I think no frills is a really interesting example because they have this corporate brand that is so easily identifiable. You go buy a store, you know exactly what it is. You, if you were to see a picture of a no frills, you would know exactly which store it is without any branding in it. And that is really compelling when you start to get ownership who really understands the community and the customer that they're servicing. And so the products as well as where the products show up in the store become a deeper reflection of kind of what that ownership has interpreted is important to the customer and how we position it. So you can have a no frills in a specific area in Toronto that carries, for example, a lot of um, Indian foods or spices in one section of the store where if you go to another area in Toronto, they might not have any Indian selection. They might have more Mexican options. And so they're really honing into who the customer is at shopping at that store, but maintaining a corporate brand across all of their locations. I'm seeing a good parallel and analog to what's happening in cannabis <laughs> because we've seen in Toronto and other places, you know, there are there are some brands that have lots of locations. And mm -hmm. I guess the question is how to turn any specific one of them in a destination, that is the sort of, that's what you wrote about, but also that is the, that's the juicy part of it. Yeah, I mean, not every single retailer either wants to be a destination store or can be, right? Like there are some instances where retail environments are um, maybe best suited not to be a destination. Think about a convenience store, for example. But when you get into a destination store, what you're thinking about is the relationship that you have with the customer and that they're willing to go outside of their regular life to make a specific visit just for you. And they're coming to you for a really specific reason. What we have seen so far um, is that like dropping a couch in a store or a chair or a seating area sometimes is an effort towards making a space, a destination saying, we're gonna make our customer feel at home here. But the reality is, is that that chair or seating area needs to have a purpose that's directly linked back to why the customer came to your store in the first place. So, a seating area would be an area that is utilized to create some kind of cultural engagement. I think a really good example of this is if you start to think about cigar shops and like people coming in and hanging out and talking about the product and, and really this like laissez-faire, let's deep dive on product. And then there is creating a sitting space for somebody while they're waiting. And so that is, for example, why you might see couches in a shoe department in a Nordstrom is so that there is something or somewhere somebody can be comfortable while they wait because they know that they have to wait for something. Well, in what we've talked about in cannabis so far is that for the most part, I think the general sentiment is get customers in and get them out, which may or may not always be the right strategy. So putting a seat in the store isn't going to reinforce that behavior. And the other thing is, is that we haven't really created a platform or a community that's willing to come in, hang out and chat yet. 
or I haven't seen one. There might be one out there, but I haven't seen one as a whole. And so to be able to achieve that, we need to start to better understand who our customer is and then create the design and physical elements to reinforce those behaviors. It's interesting because in the piece you talk, there's a reason why you wanted that, of course, to get people into the store, which is, I guess, item one. But then mm -hmm. item two is that if it is destination, they spend more time potentially. Mm -hmm. And if they spend more time, they spend more dollars. You guys did some well, observational, but, but there's also our data around this, that if there's more time in store equals bigger, bigger basket size, that yes. is critically important to these retailers. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so you could kind of run two different models. You are either going to run the model where the customer comes in and buys frequently in smaller transaction sizes, or you're going to run a model potentially where the customer comes in and is hit with speed bumps. Speed bumps are like these opportunities in the store that will slow a customer down, um, meaning that they're not going to come in from the age gate and go directly back to the cash desk, but there are things that will pique their interest along the way. If the customer is in the store longer, we have a, an opportunity to do a couple different things. Introduce other products that maybe they didn't come in anticipating to find and creating an environment where a team member can intercept that customer and really get down to the bottom of why the customer came to the store in the first place. So by creating that longer dwell time in the store, you're opening up the door of opportunities for transactions. Yes, there is a, definitely a group of customers who are currently shopping at stores who know what they want. They come in to get it and they leave. That can be facilitated by a certain kind of activity or the way that the store is set up. But who's the customer of tomorrow and how do we start to access them as well and or create a relationship with a customer that they don't just want to come in and grab it and leave. And so there is an opportunity in both of those spaces. Well, this, so that part is amazing. Uh, everything you just said, I'd like, I, I say this to you, even when we're not sort of on the air and that I, I've been learning a lot uh, from you and the team uh, over the past year as we've been working together. But I also add through this retail series, which I mentioned uh, next week uh, on the third, we'll actually be talking a lot about actually how to, to design that mm -hmm. and actually build that out because with 960 new stores opening, uh, relative short time horizon to get them open, the um, finding good people to help you design, helping get sort of the general contractor in and do the building. Like these things are a mission critical to get to day zero and then yeah. to move from day zero to day one, right? That's also important. We're going to have an event on February 3rd. We encourage people to register. You can find it on our website in the event section, but we will uh, one, talk to a retailer who's done this, two, talk to a general contractor who's done this a number of times over, three, um, you'll facilitate a panel with some folks doing interior design and construction. I, I just like talk a little bit about the importance of that and finding the right people to help you get your store off the ground because you've probably been closer to it than I have. I have seen it from like behind the construction zone, but like mm -hmm. t tell me about that because it's critically important. Yeah, I mean, I think picking vendors who can understand what your goals are is kind of the number one. Um, the number two, definitely in the space, and I think in the next couple months, is thinking about who has the uh, capacity to service you uh, in the time frame that you need, because things have changed, and so we need teams that are flexible to be able to do that too. Um, but what we really want to do is like have a group of people to come together who are in this space and share some information about what they've seen in the past 
and then what they see as potential for the future. And so that we are not just looking at what was done, but we can start to define what can be done um, because we've seen a lot of iterations of the same. And so how do we get into making and, and figuring out where we can push to be different? Yeah, I'm really excited about uh, the event on Wednesday the 3rd, but also mm -hmm. about the series going forward this year because uh, one, it's a great partnership that we have with you. Two, we end up learning a ton every time we talk. And three, um, I think there is this community of people that, that are looking for sort of both community and guidance and help and to share their experience. And we're going to provide all of that. And so we encourage people to register. Krista Raymer, we will see you next Wednesday uh, yeah. as well. We encourage people to sign up, uh, visit Vitrina Group online. They have a great new website. See, I'm doing the, I was there. And so I looked at it. So go yeah. to their website uh, and we will uh, connect with you down the road and we will see you next Wednesday. Okay, great. Speak then. Thanks, Krista. Thanks.